Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It is for by grace that we have been saved through faith. And this is not our own doing. It is a gift of God. It is a free gift lavished on us by the Father through the Son. Father God, we, we praise You. We worship You. We glorify You. We honor You. We thank You for what You've done for us. What You continue to do for us through Jesus, our Lord. That grace is sufficient. It's sufficient for everything. It doesn't matter what we're going through, church. It doesn't matter what our eyes see, what our ears hear, what's swirling around us. His grace is abundant. His grace is sufficient. He pours His grace out on us. Freely, it is a gift. So that we have everything that we need through His grace. He will supply every one of our needs through that grace. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. So church, just begin to think about those around you who need that grace and intercede for them. Those who are sick in their body. It doesn't matter what it is, what the illness is, what name it has. It cannot stand before the Father's grace. When the woman with the flow of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and she reached out by faith, His virtue flowed out of Him and into her and instantly healed her. Nothing's changed. It's the same today. So Father, we pray for those who are ill in their body and we ask you to touch them. Let your virtue flow in waves of grace and heal them, restore them, and make them whole. If there's anybody that is troubled in their mind, or their emotions are overwhelming them, His grace is sufficient. Just come to His throne. Look Jesus in the eye and thank Him for His amazing grace. Thank You, Jesus, that You care for us, that we can cast all of our cares on you because you care for us. Thank you, Father. Just rest in Him. Abide in Him. Know His love. Churches, take the the hand of that person next to you and be united united in your hearts united in the spirit 
intercede for one another. Thank you, Father, for building up your church. Thank you that you are calling a bride to yourself who is spotless, without wrinkle, without blemish, arrayed in beautiful garments and shining to be received by the bridegroom. Father, pour out your spirit now on your church. Revive your church. Fill your church with your spirit. Embolden your church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We worship you, we honor you, we exalt you this evening. And we thank you that Jesus is coming again to receive us so that we will always be where he is. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see everybody out tonight. I'm glad I don't have to preach to an empty room. <laughs> well, what I'm going to do tonight is to uh, continue from the message last Wednesday. So this is going to be Lifestyle Medicine Part 2. And if you remember um, last week... Uh, I, talk, I began by talking about lifestyle and the fact that lifestyle is what pretty much determines what our health and well-being is going to be. If we're going to be healthy and whole, it in large part depends on how we live our lives. And I use Psalm 1 as a model of what that lifestyle might look like. And if you remember, uh, well, get your Bibles out. Turn to Psalm 1. You don't have to remember right now. You can read it. But it begins, Blessed is the man who walks not. So it begins with some do nots or walk not. Stand not, sit not. So we, we, we looked at that, and, and if the word is saying happy is the man or blessed is the man who walks not means that he has a choice to walk in that. Amen? So the word is saying that, that yes, we have free will, and we could probably say we have free won't, Right? So we're, we're talking about the man will be blessed if he or she does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the path of sinners, and does not sit in the seat of the scornful. And we looked somewhat at that progression of walking, standing, and sitting. And so if you were to, 
to practice this lifestyle, then there is a progression where you become increasingly calcified, if I can say that. So going from walking to standing to sitting. And in that sitting, it is not uh, just coincidence that the word says you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. Because that's what happens when you take up that seat and you don't move and you move into scorning and despising and mocking. So blessed is the man who does not do these things, but, verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. So let's look at delight. I have, I have meditated on this. I've thought about it. I've, I've pondered it. Delight. And it just seems to be this, this um, abstract word that it was very hard for me to get my arms around. If we look at the Hebrew word, it's kephetz, and it means pleasure. It means longing. It means something that that gives great pleasure and gratification. And I, even with that definition, I'm thinking, okay, so what does that look like? I know what a, uh, a Ford F-250 King Ranch special edition with leather interior looks like. I can get that. I understand it. That is a very concrete object, but delight is a little bit more difficult for me to grab onto. So I thought about this, and I want to show you a picture of delight, because a picture is said to be worth a thousand words. So Jake, if you can put that first picture up. Hmm. There we go. That's it. So, this is a picture of delight. This is Jeannie and me on our first date. It was a blind date to the ROTC military ball at Texas Christian University. The year is 1970. And um, I may look like I'm standing next to her, but really my feet aren't touching the floor. I am floating because she is my delight. I delighted in her from that very first date. And from that point on, as we began to date, it got to where I, could, I couldn't keep her out of my mind. Going to class, doing homework, studying, I always had my mind on her. I couldn't wait to get together with her again. And we would walk to the Mary Coots Burnett Library on the campus of TCU, and we would go there and we would study together. And I just enjoyed being in her presence, enjoying time with her, talking with her, finding out more and more about her. I delighted in her. 
It gave me great pleasure and gratification to be in her presence. A year later, we had the same, another picture taken in the same exact spot. And we almost look the same. I'm in the same uniform, and she's in a different formal. And except for that time, a year later, we were engaged to be married. And so what I want you to see here is that this delighting has a progression in getting to know a person, and it leads to more commitment. It leads to more union. So we were married that year on May 1st, and I graduated on May 1st. 15th, and I was commissioned as a second lieutenant, and I went on active duty on May 20th to go to pilot training. And so that, this, that picture right there was 51 years ago, and, and I still delight in my genie. She always would send me cards, and she would end it by saying, your genie. She's my genie, and, and I delight in her even yet. We love being together. The other night we were having dinner, and we got to laughing so hard we hardly even could recover. And, um, and, and, and it's a joy. And that is the kind of delight that we're talking about that we should have in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is the Word of God. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father. Jesus is the Word. And so we're delighting in the Word and, that this, and simultaneously, because Jesus is the Word, we delight in Him. That should be our lifestyle. Delighting in the Word. We can't get enough. We want to be around it. We want to meet with the Word. We want to consume the Word. We want to embrace the Word. We want to delight in the Word. Amen? So the next one is, and in his law, or we might substitute in his word, he meditates day and night. The word for meditate, the Hebrew word is hagah, and it means meditate. It means to devise. It means to muse. It means to imagine, to be absorbed in thought to think about something carefully and thoroughly. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to meditate, and we meditate day and night, which means that we're delighting continuously in Him, and we are also meditating and chewing on His Word, as Robert said, 
this past Sunday, like a cow chewing its cud, chewing it, swallowing it, bringing it back up, chewing on it some more, is that over and over process. So we use day and night as a metaphor for that we're always meditating and thinking about the Word of God. So let me give you an example. Let's think about Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2. And I'm sure you have this memorized. Um, But it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. All right, just those two verses. So how would we go about meditating on those verses? Now, we could read the 23rd Psalm like we have the plan and we're reading through the New Testament, and we could read that and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Mm -hmm. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we could go all the way down to the end. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then we could go on about our business. We read the Word, but we didn't meditate on it. We looked at it, and we left. So let's think about what meditating is. Let's look at the Lord is my shepherd. Now, what I like to do when I, when I do the meditating is, is um, oftentimes if I get a phrase like this, I'll emphasize each word. And so, for instance, let's say the Lord is my shepherd. What was it? Lord. What is a Lord? Well, Lord is, is, is someone who rules. A Lord rules a kingdom. And so I am a sheep, so I am a subject of his kingdom. I'm subject to the Lord. That means that I have to have some kind of obedience to the Lord. I have to have some kind of respect towards the Lord, perhaps even love towards the Lord. There is a relationship there, he being the Lord, me being the subject under the Lord, being a servant of the Lord. So now we're expanding, I'm thinking about this, I'm absorbed by the thought that he is the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. It's not he has been, he's not will be, he is in this very current moment, This point in time, this very present time, he is Lord and he is my shepherd. This moment, I can be in him, I can abide in him, I can rest in him in this very moment because the Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd, right? He's mine. I may be in a herd of sheep, but even though I'm in a herd of sheep, he is my shepherd. It's a personal relationship. I can get to know the shepherd. The shepherd knows me. He is my shepherd. What is a shepherd? A shepherd is there taking care of the flock, so I know that he's taking care of me. He's guarding me. He's protecting me against the enemy. He's standing there with a staff, a rod and a staff, it says later on in this psalm. Today, you might think he's standing there with um, a, a hot shot and a 30-30, perhaps, you know, and he's guarding the sheep. He's a protector, 
And not only that, if we go on, it says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. So now use your imagination. What does that look like? I am laying down in this green pasture. I have everything that I need. It's verdant grass. It's, it's something that will feed me. There is still water, something that will quench my thirst. It's peaceful because the shepherd is there. It is a peaceful scene. It is a peaceful place. Oh, it's secure. It is safe. I'm in a safe place because he is my shepherd. That's meditating on the word. You've just made the word yours and you know what it means. You have feasted on it. It becomes a part of you. And now, from that time where you delighted in the Word and you meditated on it, you can go in the confidence that He is your shepherd, that you are protected, that you have everything that you need, because it says, I shall not want. Want means that you need something. So He's supplying it so that you do not have to need anything because he has given you everything that you need. So that's who he is. That's what he does. And now he's become very real to us because we have meditated on the word. Amen? So I would encourage you to try that. I Maybe most of you do that. I don't know. I don't know if everybody watching does. But if, if it's anything like in my own Christian life, I would hurry to get through the reading and get on with business. And there was no meditation there. There was no getting to know who Jesus really is. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if we do those things, if we delight in the Word, and if we meditate on it day and night, it says that we will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also does not wither, and whatever, whatever he does shall prosper. So that is a lifestyle. So when we delight in the Lord, and when we meditate on the Word, it begets a lifestyle. There's a promise. We're going to be like a tree planted by the water. Well, that's a pretty good thing. Think about trees planted out here. They have to go pretty deep for water, but now we're, we're planted by the water. We're always watered, and we bring forth fruit, so we're always producing. We are, 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 are producing fruit on our branches, and the leaf does not wither. That, that withering, that, the, that word for withering actually means to, um, to sink or to drop down, or to languish, or to fall and fade. It's just like trees that lose their leaves in the wintertime. All their leaves wither and they fall off and the tree is bare. But in this case, our leaf shall not wither. We will not languish. 
we will not fall down. We will not get depressed. We will not get into that place because we have a lifestyle that says that we shall not wither and whatever we do shall prosper, promise. It's the truth. It's the eternal, unchanging truth. And it all comes from delighting in the Word and meditating on it day and night. So this lifestyle really encompasses all that we are. This is really, really important. So we're a tripartite person. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. And so this lifestyle encompasses all that we are. So where in our spirit we commune with the Father, where the Holy Spirit lives in our spirit, in our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. So in, in the mind, will, and emotions, we can be healthy in our mind and in our will and our emotions because of this lifestyle that we are now walking. And in our body, it is health to our body. It is healing to our bones. Our body is preserved by the Word. The Word is a medicine. A merry heart worketh good like a medicine. When we are merry, we are filled with joy because we have delighted in the Word and we have meditated on it and we have made it ours. So, if you have no desire to worship God, if you don't have that joy, if you are withering, if you are languishing, then something's amiss with the lifestyle. So what I want to talk to you about now is some very practical things that we can do to, to walk this lifestyle. And the very first thing to do, especially if you have lost joy, especially if you don't want to read the Word, you don't want to worship the Lord, is, but even if you don't, and I'll give you an example in a minute, then I urge everyone, everyone here, everyone listening, to schedule a freedom prayer. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give you my own experience. So, uh, about nine years ago, uh, I was uh, Jeannie and I were at Crossbridge Community Church in San in North San Antonio, and I was an elder there, and I was uh, overseeing the institution of a Freedom Prayer Ministry at Crossbridge Community Church uh, in. Um, uh, cooperation with uh, Corey and Jen Barnett. So they had been trained in freedom prayer with Andy Reese, who wrote the uh, book Freedom Tools. And, um, and Corey was in the Air Force. They were stationed in San Antonio. And so we were going to start a freedom prayer ministry at Crossbridge. And, in, and we were just starting the, the training for the initial cadre of freedom prayer team members. Uh, and, and so all of us had to go through freedom prayer. Well, 
I had my first freedom prayer, and I had no idea what freedom prayer was all about. And so I go in. Uh, there was a, a, a gentleman from another church in San Antonio who was leading my freedom prayer. And, and I'm, I'm an elder in the church. I'm a, a mature Christian. I've been walking with the Lord for uh, quite a while. And so I go into the freedom prayer, and it doesn't take Jesus very long to put his finger right on the issue in my life that I wasn't really even aware of. And that issue was a, uh, a, a, an ungodly belief that I had to um, work, I had to produce for the Lord in order to gain his approval. And if I and looking back on it, it shouldn't have been surprising. I had just retired from the Air Force, 28 years in the Air Force. Guess what I did in the Air Force? <laughs> that. <laughs> I worked to produce. I had a mission to do. I had something that I had to be effective at. I had to, um, to please my boss. And then when I became the boss, then I had to work in order to get my people to do their job to please our boss, and so that was what I was doing, and I took that same thinking into my relationship with the Lord. And um, so I had uh, the, uh, it, it was all about performance. I had to perform for the Lord. And so the guy that was leading it was taking notes. I have them to this day. And, and um, I ended up going into the presence of the Father, and I won't give you all the details because I'll start crying about it, but uh, I ended up enfolded in the Father's arms, and he whispered into my ear, and he said, Lex, all you have to do is love me, and abide in me. That's it. That's all I had to do, was to love him and abide in him. And I did. I, I wept then. And, and all of that burden, all of that need to perform melted away. And I was set utterly free. From that time to the day that I'm standing right here with you tonight, I am free of that. I have never worried about performing since then. All I have focused on is loving God and abiding in Christ Jesus. That's it. And he, the guy, I can't even remember the guy's name that led my freedom prayer, and he wrote down on here, lovers will always outperform workers. And that, has, that, uh, that has stayed with me ever since. And I'll tell you, church, that's why we need to go to freedom prayer. Because I had no idea that was where I was, and the Lord set me free. And I'll tell you what the impact of that was as we go on the rest of the message here. So my first thing is to say that um, sign up for freedom prayer 
and, uh, and see what the Lord will do. See where he will meet you and set you free. Okay, so how do we delight in his word? I'm going to give you three points real quick that we can do. These are pragmatic, practical, mechanical things that you can do. Number one, you need to read the word. If you don't read the word, you can't do number two and three. Okay, so you need to read the word. You have to have a quiet place. You have to have a purpose. You have to have a plan for how you are going to approach the word of God and be in his presence, abide in him as you meet with him on a daily basis. It has to be a daily basis. And keep minutes of your meeting you know how we go to a, a conference and somebody's keeping minutes of everything that happened? Keep minutes. So I do. This is my um, quiet time notebook. This is quiet time notebook number 12. And it starts with Psalm 45. I just read through the Bible a chapter a day. This all started right after that freedom prayer. I have not missed a day with the Lord since then. And so in here is I record everything that he is telling me. I jot notes to myself that of what he is sharing with me. And at the end of every month, I go back a month and I look at what the trend is, what he's taught me, what he's telling me, how I'm supposed to walk, what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to know, um, how it all fits and where we are right now. It's all in here. It's recorded. It is his transaction with me because he is the shepherd. He is my Lord. He is with me right now, and he's teaching me every day out of his living word. Amen? So you have to read the word every day. Keep a record of what he's teaching you out of his living word. Number two, you need to study it. There's a great verse, uh, Acts 17, 11. It says, now these Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness, searching the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So what the apostle Paul was telling them, and Timothy and Silas and all those guys were saying, and, and they were hearing, they received it with eagerness, but they got into the word, the scriptures, and they started searching it out to make sure it was the truth. And so we need to study the word. And so reading isn't enough. Studying it is what you need to do. And so I brought, there are a lot of ways to do that. You can use prepared studies. And this is one. Uh, this is, comes from the Navigators. It's called Design for Discipleship or D for D. There's seven books. And, and it, it's a discipling process, but it, it, it just has um, scripture that you study and uh, questions are asked and you fill in the blanks on, on what, what it's all about. And, um, and so I highly recommend Design for Discipleship. And then there's another one that just came out 
um, by Jennifer Barnett. So the the Corey and Jen who started the Freedom Prayer Ministry, uh, Jen is now heading up uh, uh, Freedom Prayer from Nashville, Tennessee, and she's just written a book called First Freedoms. And the subtitle is Drawing Near to God by Cultivating a Wholehearted Prayer Life. And so I highly recommend this book. I've already done the first five chapters myself, and it is awesome. And it'll get you to that point where I was in that freedom prayer, where I was in the Father's embrace, and I got to know the Father, and I heard Him. We can hear Him, church. We've been reading through Revelation and, we, and, the, and what Jesus was saying to the churches, and at the end of every one, he says, those with ears to hear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. We need to be hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today. This book will help you. It's a good study. I highly recommend it. There are other things. You don't have to have a prepared study. You can do your own study in the Word. You can do a character study and say, study the life of Joseph. That would be a great one to do. Um, you could do a word study. Uh, you do do a word study on anything. Joy. I want to know more about joy, so I'm going to study the, the word joy in the Bible and see what the Holy Spirit teaches me. Or you can do a book study. Um, do a study on Ephesians. In Ephesians, you'll see that you're going to sit, stand, and walk. And so uh, do a book study. But whatever you do, study the Word. Study it regularly. Bring it into your life. Let the, so you get into the Word so that the Word gets into you. Amen? Okay, number three is memorize. Okay, this calls for another story. Um, back in, uh, let's see, 1972, I think. Well, it doesn't matter what year it was, but... I was uh, at Myrtle Beach Air Force Base. This was my first duty station. And um, I came into the squadron. I, I talked about this a little bit uh, last Wednesday. But I came into the 355th TAC Fighter Squadron, and there was another guy, another lieutenant, just like me, right out of pilot training, coming into a fighter squadron. And his name was Don Stewart. And Don had been discipled by the navigators. And Don glommed on to uh, Jeannie and me. And, um, and he took us to church at a, a Baptist church up in uh, North Myrtle Beach. And then he introduced us to the Navigators. The Navigators is an international organization that um, is all about making disciples. Their motto is knowing Christ and making him known. And that is where I began to study the Word. But I must admit, I was a little bit leery of all of this. And so I kind of went dragging my heels um, it, to, to these Bible studies. And, and so shortly thereafter, uh, Don and his brand new bride, Vicki, and Jeannie and I went on a temporary duty 
to Davis Monthan Air Force Base in Tucson, Arizona, in order to check out in the A7, which was going to be my main aircraft. And um, while we were there, we were both living in a, an apartment complex. And one day, Don said, hey, Lex, will you go out to my, um, my car and get something for him? I don't even remember what it was. He was driving a green Corvette Stingray at that time. And so I said, yeah, sure. So I went out to his car and uh, opened the door, the driver's door, reached in to get whatever it was, but but uh, what I actually saw uh, and arrested my attention has been with me ever since then, was laying on the console between the two bucket seats was one of these. And I, I picked it up and I said, what in the world is this? And I looked on it and on the inside, it said, memorize, memorize, memorize. And on the other side, it said, review, review, review. And I looked in it, and inside, there were these little cards. And on the cards were written scriptures. And I went, he's memorizing scripture. He must be some kind of religious fanatic. I mean, I, I couldn't even conceive of why you would want to do that. And so he had one of these things, and I, I just kind of, you know, thought about it, went on my way, got whatever it was, took it back to him, and didn't mention anything to him about it. And so that was in the spring of 1973. In the fall, in October of 1973, the squadron deployed to Karat, Thailand. And in my bag, on my way to Karat, Thailand, I had this, the Navigator's Topical Memory System. And it had 60 verses in it that fit in one of these things. And I was carrying it with me because I was going to memorize 60 verses while I was deployed to Thailand. Throw up the next picture. Seven months elapsed, and we were, the Vietnam War was, it had ended. We were deploying the squadron back to the United States. This is the day that we were leaving. And uh, I'm flying this jet back. I'm fixing to climb into the cockpit, strap the jet on, and we're going to take off and go to Guam. And I, on the outside, I'm the same skinny 24-year-old first lieutenant that I had always been. But on the inside, I was a new creation. Because I had memorized those 60 verses. And they were in my heart. And they transformed me. The very first verse in this, um, in this topical memory system, the topic is Christ the center, is 2 Corinthians 5.17. So the topic is Christ the center, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5.17. That's how we learned to hide scripture in our heart. I had a topic that served as a mental hook. So even today, I memorized this 47 years ago. 
Even today, I can pull that hook out and say, Christ the sinner, and out comes 2 Corinthians 5.17. And you memorize, Christ the sinner, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man is in Christ. So you memorize the topic, the address, and the first phrase, all is a unit, and it is yours. And then when you're done, done uh, saying the verse, then you tack on where it was located, fore and aft, so you sandwich that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The second verse of Christ the sinner is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. Those have been mine for 47 years. And, and they literally transformed my life. So we left, and we went to Guam. And, and then from Guam, we went to Hawaii. From Hawaii to Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And when I got back to Myrtle Beach, I, we got back into um, the chapel on the base, and I was transformed because I had 60 verses in my heart. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word. I have laid up thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The topic for that one is his help in temptation. So when you lay that word up in your heart, and it's word perfect, and it gives you confidence that you really know the word, and you can rightly handle the word of truth, that's all because you have memorized it and laid it up in your heart. And you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you are changed from one degree of glory to another into the image of his Son. Amen? So... What lifestyle do you choose to follow? See, it, it's, it comes to a choice. At the end of the day, it's a choice for tomorrow. Joshua 24, 15, Joshua is talking to the Israelites, and he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. We have to choose, church. Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot be lukewarm like the Laodicean church. If you're lukewarm, if you have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, you are lukewarm. And Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth. Ezra 7.10, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. So we have to purpose in our heart. We have to set our heart to study the word and to do it, and then, church, to teach it to others. What did, what did Jesus say in Matthew 28, 19, and 20? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. We do pretty good maybe at baptizing people, but how good are we at teaching them to observe all that he has commanded? 
That's called discipleship. That's called making disciples. And that's what we need to do. So my exhortation, my urging to you, to everybody watching this video, either live stream or later in time, is to take the word that the Holy Spirit has spoken tonight and delight in it, meditate on it, and then say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I obey? How do I walk in this lifestyle? Amen? Okay. So I'm going to sow a seed to that. And um, I don't know if anybody here wants to, but if anybody wants to memorize 60 verses, I'll give this to the first person up to the podium after we close. And you can get started. And anybody that wants to study the Word, I'll give you this copy of First Freedoms for you to get started on it. And I'm going to sow into your life and see what fruit will pop out. Amen? So why don't you stand up with me? And let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this Word. I thank you that you are exhorting your church, that you want us to walk in such a way that it reflects your glory, that you want us to delight in your word, to find such pleasure in meeting with you, that we cannot wait to have our next time in quietness with you and to meet you and to hear your voice to meditate on your word day and night, to actually see ourselves laying down in those green pastures beside the still waters, to hear the shepherd's voice. I ask you, Father God, to pour out your spirit on your church. I ask you to empower your church so that we do the same works you did, Jesus, and even greater works because you went to be with the Father and you sent the Holy Spirit. To see signs and wonders and miracles, to proclaim the truth, the good news of the gospel, that there is life in Christ Jesus and it comes through grace. So Father, fill our hearts. Keep our bodies whole because we present them as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to you as just our spiritual worship, our reasonable worship. So make our bodies whole. Make our minds whole and holy. Dwell in our spirits. Sanctify us. Purify us. And make us your own. We thank you for that, Lord. I can't thank you enough. I don't have words for it. But we worship you and thank you for all of that. We thank you for the gifts tonight that we give back to you because you gave to us in the first place. And we ask you to multiply it and use it for your kingdom. So as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, 
you take care of all the other stuff. Thank you, Father God. We praise you, give you glory through Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. Amen and amen. amen. The Lord bless you, church.